Amen, amen, amen. And welcome to our midweek Bible study here at Liberty Christian Church International. It's your boy, Pastor Thomas, and I'm just excited about tonight as we close out our finishing school series. Uh, Before we take our summer break, we got our awesome Pastor Lewis, who will pick up for the summer with a brand new series. He's starting next week, and I'm just excited about this. Do me a favor. Share this on your page. Share this with your friends. Share this with your family. Tell somebody to tune in and get filled, get empowered, get blessed with the Word of God for tonight. 
to carry you through the rest of this week. We've been in this awesome series once again, finishing school and then also dealing with the Holy Spirit on Sundays. And so I'm just excited and ready to jump into the Word of God on this evening. We got some stuff to give you. Got got some a lot of scripture that I want to deal with you and talk to you about, but I'm just excited. Um, so if all hearts and minds are prepared, I promise you that we're going to try to stay right at 60 minutes on this evening. Um, so go ahead and get your notebooks, your pen your past. This is Bible study. The Bible says to study to show thyselves a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God. Um, so I want you all to just make sure that you are prepared, that you are joined in, and uh, just make sure that we're getting something out of this. We got an awesome topic tonight, um, and I'm ready to jump into it. So if all hearts and minds are prepared and all hearts and minds are ready, Let's go before the Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for this time of learning and understanding, God. We ask God right now that you enter into the presence of each and every last home. We ask you to enter into their mindsets, to enter into their hearts, enter into their spirits so we can get clarity and understanding from your word. God, that we don't leave from here just for uh, and receive nothing but form, fashion, or show, but we receive a word from you, O oh God. So God, hide me behind your cross so that people will see none of me but they will see all of thee, God. And God, even before we even do that, let me go back, God, and we just thank you and ask you to forgive us of all of our sins, sins in our minds, our thoughts, our deeds, and our actions, sins against your will, your purpose, and your plan, sins against your design and your purpose for our life. God, we thank you, God, for right now for casting those sins into the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again. So God, we just honor you, we worship you, and we magnify your name. God, it is in your son Jesus' name that we pray Amen. Amen. As we go ahead and continue on with our with tonight, can you do me? A, I'm gonna ask you again to do me a favor and share this with somebody. Uh, draw somebody in that may not have had an opportunity to hear our Bible study or be a part of our Bible study. Someone that you know that may need to hear a word. Um, a word from the Lord just for their life and, de and dealing with their life. We know how much stuff is going on. And while we're in the midst and, and in preparing for this word on this evening, I also want to give you a quick announcement um, about something this weekend, uh, not this weekend, but on June 20th, um, Liberty is partic participating and heading up a peaceful protest over in Walker Mill Shopping Center. And we want to invite you to participate with us. There's more details coming out about that throughout this next week and throughout the rest of this week, and we're going to uh, bring this together and coordinate this and hopefully bring on some other ministries so that we can begin to uh, we, we can begin to do what we need to do in the community. The church is supposed to be the beacon and the standard in the community, and we're supposed to be able to uh, stand forward in, in matters of uh, social issues, matter of spiritual issues, matter of um, things that are taking place, and we have to take a stance. So we're prepared, and we're coming together, and we're putting this together. So once again, uh, if you want to be a part of it, please um, reach out on our website, www.lccimd.org. Also, you can email us at lccimdinfo at gmail.com. Once again, that's lccimdinfo at gmail.com for more uh, questions and more uh, and to understand just what we're doing. Um, so tonight, Tonight, I'm excited about closing out finishing school. And tonight, I want to simply talk about the topic and the subject, the comfort of doing nothing. The comfort of doing nothing. Or if you see it on the screen right now, the danger in doing nothing. The danger 
in doing nothing. And our text for this evening is going to come from a couple of different uh, places in the Bible, but for the most part, we're going to be either in Psalms or Proverbs. So our scripture for this evening, um, our first scripture is going to come from Proverbs, the 13th chapter, looking at the fourth verse. Um, and even in this and understanding, I want you to hear these scriptures in their entirety. We're going to bounce back and we're going to go to these scriptures um, for this evening. And the first scripture is simply this. Amen. What is amen? We're, we're going to talk about, excuse me, the computer is acting up just a little bit on this evening. <laughs> so, we, you know, technical difficulties. But um, dealing with the danger of doing nothing, the danger of doing nothing. And when we talk about doing nothing, really, as, we, as you open up your Bibles and get to the scripture, Proverbs, the 13th chapter and the fourth verse, I want to understand and identify what is laziness. What is laziness? And I'm not talking about uh, just laying around on the couch and having your one day um, where you just don't want to do anything. All of us have those days. All of us have those moments and all of us have those mindsets where we just don't feel like doing anything, where it's just like, I just want a chill day, a relaxed day. You've been working hard. Um, you've been uh, doing so much that you just need a down day. I'm not talking about being lazy in that aspect, but what I am talking about is being lazy. Uh, operating and moving in a spirit of laziness, a spirit where you don't want to do anything, a spirit of uh, I'm, I know what I'm capable of, but I'm not going to strive to be better. Um, doing nothing when one knows uh, what and how to do, uh, uh, do something, but it translates into being lazy. Um, why? Because laziness is the enemy of excellence. And we know that as Christians, we're supposed to operate in a spirit of excellence. Uh, we know that as Christians, that we're supposed to have a standard that we live by, a standard that we operate by. But a lot of times we get to this mindset because life situations, we get to this mindset of saying, I, I just don't want to do anything anymore. I'm just tired of doing things. So what is laziness. What is laziness? Now, laziness can be defined as this, as you see it on your screen right now, a willful, uh, uh, the willful waste of God-given time, talents, gifts, and abilities. Once again, the willful waste of God-given time, talent, gifts, and abilities. Uh, and if you heard me real quick, you heard me just say that it's the, the willful, a willful waste of time, talents, gifts, and abilities. It goes on, especially when one is in full knowledge of what God requires and empowers us with knowledge, ability, and the power to achieve. Laziness, when I know that God has called me into something, when I know that God has, has uh, told me in my life that I, should, that I should be the head and not the tail, but instead I'd rather be the tail and not the head because it doesn't require me to do anything. I can follow along with the crowd. I can lay low key. I can be behind the scenes. I can do something separate and something different. So now I got to get out of my mindset of always feeling like I can do mediocre stuff. And we talked about this on Sunday when you're when you have the when you're functioning under the operation of the Holy Spirit that you cannot live a mediocre life. 
You cannot live a life that's beneath what God has empowered you to do. And, and too many times do we simply say because of tragedy, because of situations that have happened, because of things that have happened in our life, I just don't want to or I'm tired of striving. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. He has not given us a spirit of timidity. He has not given us a spirit where we're less than. So we have to step out and be cut and stop being so lazy, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God, especially when it comes to doing the things of God, especially when it comes to operating and functioning as kingdom citizens. So now if we're dealing with this and we understand that laziness in our definition and liberty's de definition is the willful waste of God given time, talent, gifts and ability. I need somebody to type that out for me on Facebook real quick. That laziness is the willful waste of God-given time, talents, gifts, and abilities. God-given time, the, the time that he's given us on this earth to be who he's called us to be. The, time, the gifts that he's given us. The things that we know are on the inside of us, but we refuse to use them for the kingdom, for the advancement of the kingdom. The gifts that, the abilities that he's given us, that we'd rather use in the world, or we'd rather sit on and sit there and lie, allow it to lie dormant instead of using it for the glory of God. Laziness involves not using those abilities. Laziness involves not using any of those things. And see, now it also goes a step further because if we know that we have it, now we're dishonoring God. Why did God create you? God didn't create you to be mediocre. God didn't create you to be less than. God didn't create you to sit there and wallow in self-pity. Because maybe you failed. Maybe somebody didn't believe in you. God didn't create you to live in a self-pity mindset or a fearful mindset. So now if we're continuing to operate in this and we're continuing to operate in laziness, then we become dishonorable to God. We become displeasing to God. We become, uh, uh, you know, God, I, you know me, God. Yeah, I know you because I created you. I created you. I knew the hair on your head. I knew what you would be scared of, but I also gave you the ability to overcome those fears. I gave you the ability to, come, to overcome those trials and tribulations that you've been in your life, that you've been through. So stop being lazy. I did somebody turn to somebody in their house. Look, even if you got to look at yourself in your cell phone and tell yourself, stop being lazy. Or even ask yourself the question, are you being lazy. I told you we was going to get the scripture real quick, and I, and I got scripture for you tonight. So if you open up your Bibles real quick to Proverbs, the 13th chapter, looking at the fourth verse. Proverbs, the 13th chapter, looking at the fourth verse. And it simply says this, reading from the New American Standard Bible, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. I need to repeat that one more time. The soul of the sluggard, the soul, we're not just talking about an outward manifestation. We're talking about something inward because we know we're made up in three parts, mind, body, and soul. 
We know that we have a spirit that operates this, but we're made up in mind, body, and soul. But it says the soul of the sluggard, this inward desire, this inward thing that, that controls your, your thoughts, your processes, your emotions, your soul. It said the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. That means he desires to want something. But because you won't step out, because you won't do, you won't get anything. It said, but the soul of the diligent is made fat because the soul, the diligent person, the come hell or high water is going to get up every day and strive for a purpose. The, 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 the diligent, the soul of the diligent, the diligent person is going to get up every day and chase after a dream, chase after a goal, chase after a purpose, because he knows that his life is more valuable than being a sluggard and just sitting and begging. He knows that his, his, his mindset, his makeup is more than what even the world calls it to be. He knows that or she knows that there is something on the inside that is causing me to chase after this thing that God has put in my spirit. This desire, this plan, this action. And because God has put it on the inside of me, that means I can't stop. See, the diligent person knows that I don't care how, how high this wall is. I'm going to keep trying to jump over top of it. I'm going to keep trying to climb it. I'm going to keep trying to do it. Where the sluggard looks at that same wall and says, I can't do it. What's the point? That sluggard says, I'm, I, I'm okay right here. I'll just be fine. I'll be settled. I won't, I won't push the issue. I'm just going to sit here and, and whatever falls down, I'll eat from that. Whatever rain comes, I'll eat from that. But that diligent person says there might be a stream over there. There might be a land flowing with milk and honey. There might be grapes the size of grapefruits over there. There might be a blessing on the other side of this wall. And I'm not satisfied with status quo. So I got to do something. I got to get up. I got to get moving. See, there's a danger in doing nothing because doing nothing requires you or limits you from seeing what God's best looks like. Last week, we talked about the Caleb effect. We talked about that in the aspect of what Caleb and Joshua saw when, they, when, when Moses sent them out to survey the land. We, we saw what Caleb and Joshua said. We can take this. But there was those who said, no, nah, we can't do this. And they just ended up being in, in the wilderness for 40 more years and just continued to walk around in circle after circle where their blessing was right over the hill. Their blessing was right there in front of them, but they refused to do anything. See, there's danger in doing nothing. What is it going on in your life that, you're in, that, that you just simply won't do? What is it going on in your life that you simply won't step out and believe by faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidences of things not seen. The Bible says that every man has a measure of faith. It didn't just say those that believe. It said every man has a measure of faith. And then if faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, I got to believe beyond what's right in front of me. I got to believe that my blessing is coming. I got to believe that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It said the soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing. The soul, the, the mindset of the slugger. I can want for everything, but if I don't get up and try, if we, we are in a place right now in this country where we're looking for social justice, where we're looking for race reform, but if we don't get up and do something, 
If we don't get up and stand for something, what do we expect to change? Do we expect to just sit here and say, oh, it's going to get better, and we never put step foot outside? But it says, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Next scripture, next scripture. We're going to look at, before we even get to the next scripture, I got some things that I want to talk, talk to you about real quick. On your screen right now, you should see three points real quick. Three points real quick. And I want you to write them down. Or I want you to make sure you screenshot this. I know everybody got fancy technology. You can screenshot it real quick. Doing nothing translates into what? Being lazy fills what role? And the lazy are fully aware of what needs to be done, yet they refuse to even do what is blank. So, Pastor, what, what, what are we talking about? What, what, what are we going to do right here? Let me tell you this. This question that I want to ask you before we start looking at this real quick is simply this. Why is doing nothing often our place of comfort? Why is doing nothing often our place of comfort? Okay, so, so, so after I, since I posed that question to you, my first point is this. Doing nothing translates into this, laziness. Doing nothing, absolutely nothing. You know, when, if, as adults, you get to a place where you tell your kids, stop being lazy. You tell your kids with their schoolwork, stop being lazy. Stop doing half of the work. Stop trying to hurry up and get, and get through this. I know that you expect to graduate. I know that you expect this to just fall into your lap. But you have to put some work into it. You got to do it. We can't do everything. But doing nothing translates into this laziness spirit. Also, being lazy fills the wannabe role. You ever heard that person say, I want to be this, I want to be that, but you never see them get up and strive. I want to go back to school. I want to go back to, I, I want to get a better job, but I'm too, I, I, I don't want to step out there. I'm too nervous. I'm too scared. I'm too ashamed. I'm, I, I don't think I'm qualified for it. Well, a lot of times the people that chase after the dreams are not qualified to fill the dreams. But God said, I qualify you. Not that you qualify yourself. Allow me to qualify you. If you abide in me, if you, re if you rely on my word, my will, my purpose, and my plan, and my direction for your life, I'll qualify you. That no man, that no man can deny what I qualify you for. And too often do we get to this place of keep saying, I want to be. I, I, I want to do this. I want to, you know, God, you know my heart. I want to start this business. But the economy right now is not, is not conducive for me to do this. I don't have enough money in my savings. I don't have enough money here. Uh, I don't have enough support here. God said, if I put the dream in you, allow me to send who you need to fulfill the dream. If I gave you the purpose, if I gave you the plan, if I gave you the insight and the vision, that means I'll prepare the place for it. That means you got to stop being lazy. Get your butt up. What does Habakkuk 2 and 3 say? Write the vision and make it plain. Though the vision may tarry, it shall come to pass. 
He didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say it's not going to take challenges. He didn't say it's not going to take a step out on faith. But we got to get past being lazy because it fills us with this wannabe role. Somebody say, I'm done with being a wannabe. I'm done with being a wannabe in my life. I'm done with being a wannabe in my career. I'm done with being a wannabe with my kids. I'm done. I, I can't be a good father because you, you know my father didn't raise me right. I can't be a good mother because you know you have the power to change the narrative of who you are. You do not have to live as a sluggard. You do not have to live according to what was passed down to you. You have the ability to stand up. Somebody declare, I'm standing up. Number three, the lazy are fully aware of what needs to be done, yet they refuse to do even, uh, to even do what is required. Mm-mm-mm. They have, they, they know what needs to be done. You ever had that person on your job? That that knows the assignment that needs to be done, and they'll come around and tell everybody, "Did you hear the work we got to do? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that?" Man, they asking us to do too much. I don't even want to do the bare minimum. Do you know we act like that in the kingdom of God? We act just like that in the kingdom of God. We act just like that when it comes to the things in our life. I don't want to. I don't really even want to do what is required. God, why do I have to work so hard for this? God, why do I have to strive so hard for this? God, why do I have to 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 do this this certain way? If if you said you would give it to me, I should just be standing here and waiting for you to drop it out of heaven. Why don't you drop it out like manna coming from heaven, like you did the the children of Israel out there in the wilderness? Why don't you just give it to me? God? Why don't I just go out to my mailbox right now, God, and see some things because you ain't sown no seed? God, but I got to sow? Well, that's the, that, that's the law of sowing and reaping. And I'm not just talking about money. If you want if you want to grow fruit in your backyard, you can't just go out there and say fruit grow and not plant a seed. So how do you expect this same thing to work in your life? If you're not planting seeds of righteousness, if you're not planting seeds of, a, uh, of God's word in your life, how do you expect for things to shift and change in your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to somebody today. But how do you expect to, 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 to get ahead if you won't even do what is required? What is required? Okay, so, so now I want you to look at this. Uh, I want us to look at this. Proverbs, the 19th chapter, looking at the 24th verse. Proverbs, the 19th chapter, looking at the 24th verse. Another, another scripture real quick. Another, another scripture real quick that talks about the sluggard. It said, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it to his mouth to eat. Mm, mm, mm. That, that's, that's crazy to me. And a lot of us operate in the kingdom in the same way. You came to the cross. You have access to Jesus Christ. You have access to the power of God, to the anointing of God, to the will of God, to the purpose of God. But you'll walk away from the altar still in bondage because you simply won't bring your hand from the dish to your mouth. You simply won't bring your hand from the place of where it was full of all the bountiful blessing. When I eat, I couldn't imagine sitting down and sitting in front of a steak dinner. 
with steak and macaroni and cheese and some fresh kale and some sweet potato pie and some 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 uh some strawberry lemonade. Look, I'm getting I'm I'm getting a little excited here, y'all. But I wouldn't I could not imagine being in that place to take my fork to dip it down in my food and just sit there and look at it. When I know I'm hungry, when I know I need to eat, but I'm too lazy to bring that hand to my mouth or even bring my mouth to the hand. I'm too lazy to do this because it does, it's too much work. And, and you might think that I'm just simply talking about the, 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 the physical aspect. But God has blessed us with so many opportunities where we see it time after time and after time. And we put our hand down there and say, God, you said you blessed me, but we won't pull it up to us. We won't grab hold of it. We won't take hold of it. So now, looking at this scripture, I, I, I want you to understand this. What are some possible reasons why doing nothing becomes comfortable? Too many times doing nothing comes co becomes comfortable in our life. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good right here. You ever heard that? Uh, they, they, I've never heard a successful person say this. I, I don't want to make any more money. I've never heard a successful person say this, say that. I've never heard a child playing say, I don't want to play anymore. I've never heard someone say that I'm too comfortable to strive for more. But it but it happens. Everybody that gets ahead gets a, gets gets advancement in their life. They they don't want to live and operate in comfortability. You get the you get the nice house and you don't want to do anything with it. Why? Some possible reasons why doing nothing is comfortable. It takes the blame away from you. <laughs> I'm comfortable. I'm good. Nah, you go, ahead and, you go ahead and do that. That's number one. Number two, you won't run into resistance. See, doing nothing is comfortable because that means I've run into no adversity. Doing nothing means that nobody, I don't have to worry about anybody challenging my, my thought process. Doing nothing means that I, I don't have to look at people who tell me that I'm going to fail. Doing nothing means that I, that, that I don't have to run into the negative speaking, the negative talk, the negative language about what's in my heart and what my desires are. I don't even have to, doing nothing even coming to the kingdom of God. There are a lot of people who will not surrender their life to Christ because they don't want, into the, don't want to run into the resistance of people in their family. They don't want to run into the resistance of their friends. Why you, you got to go serve that blue-eyed, uh, blonde-haired Jesus? Don't you know better than that? So they'll do nothing when they know their heart is yearning for a relationship. They'll do nothing when they know that their life is messed up and in turmoil. They'll do nothing when they know that they're only a step away from hell because they are afraid of what everybody else is going to say to them. This is that spirit of laziness. See, it works in many different ways. You ever had that person when you was in school that was smart as all outdoors? But because their surroundings and their friends and the people that they, go, that they hang around, they dummied themselves down. 
Be simply because they don't want to deal with the resistance. They don't want to deal with the backlash of them being smart. But they know on the inside of them that there's somebody else that everybody else has seen. But because they've chosen to, to operate in laziness, because they've chosen to operate in this way and in this mindset, they missed the mark of who God called them to be. Number three, it frees you from expectations and responsibilities, just like I just said. Doing nothing becomes comfortable, so it frees you from expectations and responsibility. That means if you don't expect it from me, I ain't got nothing to live up to. So I'll just be lazy. I'd rather you expect me to be lazy because it requires no movement from me. It requires no advancement from me. It requires no stepping out from me. It simply requires me to be what everybody thinks I'm going to be. This is what the spirit of laziness does in your life. The spirit of laziness will say to you, yeah, I want you to go ahead and believe that I'm just like my mother. I want you to go ahead and believe I'm just like my grandfather. I'm just like my father. When I know that I've come out from that, when I know that I'm better than that, the spirit of laziness will have you stuck and bound in who everybody else perceives you to be because of your family line. They don't believe that you're a generational breaker, that you're breaking curses in your generation because you haven't given out any signs that you're stepping up. You just accept it. And number four, doing nothing is comfortable and it causes fear to immobilize many. Doing nothing, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that if I step out. But I want, you to, I want you to question yourself and ask you this. Ask yourself this. I would rather be fearful that I remain in this same place than being fearful of stepping out and trying something and possibly failing. Because where I'm at right now, it, it, I'm not receiving anything. Where I'm at right now doing nothing, it puts me in a worse position than if I step out and try something. Because who knows? Mm -mm -mm. Who knows? If I step out and succeed, if I step out and, and become who God called me to be, the enemy's on notice, the world's on notice, the plan and the, uh, and the tactics of the enemy, which are to kill, steal, and destroy, the, the tactics of the enemy are beginning to be broken down when I step out and have the, uh, have the mindset and the understanding that I must live by a standard. See, the because fear immobilizes many and causes some to run away. Laziness produces fear. Fear of what? Trying. We saw the man at the pool of Bethesda. What happened? He said, every morning somebody beats me to the pool. My mindset says to me, even if you beat me, by faith, I still want to stick my foot in that water. Because just by faith, something might shift when I step my foot in the water. Just by faith, something might transform. The angel might say, because of your faith, I'm coming back to the pool. Because you stepped out and stopped being lazy and expecting that just because you wasn't the first one there, that you wasn't healed. But I 
I'm sitting here by faith, realizing that by faith, I got to step down. By faith, I don't care if you the first one, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm coming in the water if I got to come in the water. By faith, I'm coming to the place. I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to be lazy and no longer bound because of my laziness. I can't be a sluggard. It's too much opportunity out here. It's too much going on out here that God said you can go uh, take, take, the, take control of the land. He told Joshua what? Every place the, the sole of your feet tread upon, that land shall I give unto you. When was the last time you declared that about your own life? Every place the sole of my feet. I can't, be, I can't just lay here and expect to take authority over things. Authority over situations in my home. Authority over demonic spirits. If I'm lazy, God, this demon been beating me. I don't know what else to do, God. This demon has controlled my family, has controlled my life. Well, what are you willing to do? Are you going to begin to speak the name of Jesus in your house? Or are you going to allow that demon to continue to run rampant in your home? God, my family deals with this generational curse. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to chase after me? Are you going to seek after my face? Are you going to call the name of Jesus when the Bible says at the name of Jesus, demons tremble? What are you going to do? Or are you just going to sit here and be lazy? The Bible says for my weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty to pulling down a strongholds. What are you willing to do? Because I can no longer operate in fear. And if I can't operate in fear, that means I have to live by a standard. What is your standard? And this is the meat of what we're talking about, to, about, about tonight. Where is your standard? And I want you to read, if you want to open up your Bibles real quick, to Psalms, the first chapter. Psalms, the first chapter. Psalms, the first chapter. And we're going to look at this whole chapter. It's not a long chapter, but we're going to look at this whole chapter. And it says this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law and in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. I'm, I, I need you to grab that real quick because I need you to hear that again. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does, nothing, does not wither, and in what he does, he prospers. Why? Because I'm going to park right there real quick. Because he lives to a standard. Because he has accepted the word of God as his, as his blueprint and his life's manual. Because he's accepted the will of God for his foundation, for the very being that he is. Because he, is, because he accepts God in his life and Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. That means he will always be fed. He'll always be full. It said which yields its fruit in its season. Get that. Yields its fruit 
in its season. That means there's a season coming for you that if you step out and stop being slugger, stop being lazy, there's a season for you that if you abide in God's word, that if you rely on the plan of God, the purpose of God, and the, and the power of God, there is a season for you that God has already ordained and set in place for you. And it says, and it's and his leaf does not wither. That means no matter what comes about in your season, that it will not dry out, that it will not go to waste, that whatever God puts in your hand, if you get up and begin to operate with a standard instead of operating as a slugger, then it said it will not wither. And whatever he does, my God, right there, if the, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he shall perform it. And this last part says what? And what? And in whatever he does, I, I, I'm, 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 I might. I might not know all the eloquent words, but I know what whatever means. I, whatever means whatever I touch, whatever I try, whatever I chase after, wherever I go, however I maneuver, when I'm in the will of God, the purpose of God, and the plan of God, when I'm operating under liberty, when I'm operating in freedom, he said, in whatever he does, he prospers. He prospers. He does not have lack. He does not have a situation. He, it, because it's in his season and the leaf is not withered, he said, in whatever he does, he prospers. He prospers. And I'm going on. And he said, but, but this is what the, the word says about the wicked. The wicked are not so, but they are like chafe, which the wind drives away. We always get, co we get too caught up in what the wicked grabs hold of. The, the enemy blesses the wicked or pays the wicked. But we got to understand that their, that their payment is temporary. But your salvation is eternal. Your life, the, the blessings that God has given you are eternal. The Bible says there in verse number five, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, nor the, nor the sinner in the assembly of the righteous. You have to live by the standard of trusting God with your life. You have to live by the standard of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have to live by a standard. Why? Because you do not want to be that person that is even cast out of the judgment. Yeah, I, I'd rather God say this is your track record and then still open up the door for me to walk in heaven. But if I'm a sinner or I'm wicked, I can't even stand before him. Jesus said, depart from me, that worker of iniquity. I, he didn't even say I'm calling out your track record. I'm just telling you that you wicked. The Bible says right here that therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Who am I dealing with tonight? Let's go on. Verse number six, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will what? Perish. Verse number, uh, uh, the, the way of the wicked will perish. So a life of standard should be lived instead of laziness. A life of standard should be lived instead of laziness. Why? Because of this. A person is blessed when God is their consultant, their mentor, and their chief counsel. A person is blessed when they stop relying on the world's tactics looking for heavenly solutions. 
A person is blessed when God is their consultant. That means no matter what it is, I've known people, God, do you want me to go to this gas station today? God, do you want me to go in this store today? And you might think it's crazy. You might think that, it's, that, that, that that's doing too much. But their life has gotten to a place of saying, God, if you don't allow it, I'm not doing it. God, if you don't speak on it, I'm not touching it. God, if you, don't, if you say go left, I'm going left. Because when I went right in my life, things messed up. So God, whatever you tell me to do, however you tell me to do it. See, when God is your mentor, you won't open your mouth and speak foul things out of your mouth. Because you'll hear the voice of God saying, didn't I tell you to shut your mouth? Didn't I tell you that even a fool seemed wise when he doesn't speak? Didn't I tell you that out of the mouth flows the issues of the heart? Didn't I tell you to keep your mouth shut and rely on me? See, a mentor does what? He teaches, he trains, they display, they show you a certain way to operate. And if God is your mentor, you can't go wrong. See, when you go on a job and you get trained and they set you up with a mentor, that mentor is, de is designed to make sure that you succeed in the position that you're, that you're coming into. They've been there. They've understood the position. They've worked themselves through the position. And who is the best mentor for our life other than the one who created the life? Mm, mm, mm. The one who said, I know you. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The one who created you in his image and in his likeness. So if I'm going to let anybody mentor me, it's going to be his word. It's going to be his plan. It's going to be his promise over my life. And not only that, when, when, when a blessed person, uh, a, a, a person is blessed when God is their chief counsel. Hi, Jesus, right there. You, you got to understand, there have been times where, where, God sta where Jesus stands before the Father and says what? I know they've made mistakes. I know they've erred in their way. But because of my blood, because I died on Calvary's cross for them, because I gave my life as a ransom, give them another time. Give them another try. There have been times where the enemy said, uh, have you, uh, 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 what about my servant Job? And the enemy said, if I take it all, if I take it all away, he's going to curse you. There have been times that the enemy said, no, you're not going, uh, that God told the enemy, no, you're not not going to touch them. God said, no, that's my child. Yeah, you might think you have a legal right, but I, over, uh, I oversee, the, I succeed the legal right that they have, that you have for them. There have been times that we've made pacts with the enemy. Some of your, some people in your lineage made, made, made blood covenants with the enemy for success, for beauty, to prosper. There, there are times that people that, 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 that were in your lineage, your great-great-grandfather, your great-great-grandmother uh, made a pact with the enemy in order for their family to come out of certain situations. And God said, God, when God saw you, he said, he's been trying to deal with your family and your generation and your, and your family's line, generation after generation after generation. And he's simply saying, which one of you will accept me as your chief counsel? Because I can break the generational curse. I can break the generational bondage. I can break the familiar spirit that's been hovering over your family. 
I can break the spirit of poverty. I can break the spirit of lustfulness. I can break the spirit that you've been operating under. But you got to give me a try. See, see, so we understand that a person is blessed when there is count, when there's, when God is their consultant, their mentor, and their chief counsel. Also, when a person is blessed, when all efforts in excellence are guaranteed to prosper. Because God said, if God said, if God performed it in your life, if God is giving you the green light, if God, if God said, I put my hand on it. It has no choice but to prosper. The wicked will never have this testimony. The wicked can never have the testimony that God blessed them. Mm. The wicked will, will look at you and say, how did, he, how did you get it done? How, what is your testimony? What did you, I, I need to know what the secret is. But see, when, when they ask you what the secret is to your success, it's not about your hands, it's not about your might, but it's by my power, thus saith the Lord. It's not about how you did it, but it's about the hand of God that covered you, that brought you through, that changed the, changed the outcome or changed the dynamic on your life. It's about what God has done in your life. See, when you understand that a person is blessed, when God's covenant uh, with them is the right way and you operate in righteousness. See, God's covenant will not lead you down the, the path of sin. It will not lead you to do things that are contrary to his word. God's covenant with you establishes dominion. It establishes authority in the earth. God's covenant with you establishes your, pro your, your promise. When Jesus died and there was a blood covenant, there was a blood covenant to reconnect us with our purpose and our promise. There was a, uh, there was a blood covenant that reestablished who we are to be in the earth. There was a blood covenant that said, once you give your life unto me, once you accept me as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, once you, once you really surrender your life to me, there is a covenant that, that's exchanged. The covenant, the covenant of the enemy who had legal right to you is disbanded. My covenant now takes precedence over you. The covenant that the enemy has, it died with that old man. But the covenant that my blood presents, when I, when you, when I came out the grave, you came out the grave. The blood covenant that I established with you, is, it, it, it supersedes anything. Any demon, any imp, any power, any principality, any evil forces in wickedly high places. It reestablishes dominion that I have over the earth. And because I died, came out the grave, I got up with all power in my hand. I got up with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. If I got up and I gave authority over to you and I told you that you would be able to do these things and more. Why are we being so lazy? Where's our power? Where's the church's power at right now? Not just on Sunday morning. Where's the church's power at to go into a region and take authority over the region? 
Yeah, I understand that the principalities have certain have control over certain regions. But if the principality is not bigger than God, that means when I go into the atmosphere, when I go into that place, when I go into that region, if I'm operating under the power of God, that means I have dominion. I've now taken a dominionive stance over the uh, over the region that I've come into, and it should be troubling to the enemy. So I am going to face hell. I am going to face persecution. I am going to face those that are going to attack me. But I gotta stand and have standards to stand for righteousness. Why? Because if I understand the word of God, the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. I'm going to enlarge that so that you can see that real quick. Grab a couple of screenshots of it. Grab, grab what you need of it. The way of the wicked will perish. Now let's look at this. Psalms 8, chapter 8. We only got about 12 minutes to go. Psalms chapter 8 says this. For the choir director on the gift the getteth a psalm of David. It says this. Lord, O Lord. I love it when David starts off a song, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who has displayed your splendor above the heavens? From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? How that just does something to me. Who is man? If you want it from the, from the King James Version, who is man that you are mindful of him? Ah, that, that's, that, that's the God that we serve. That the, the Bible says this, yet you have made him a little lower than God. And you crown him with glory in majesty. I, I'm sorry, but, but right now I, I, I need you to understand that God never created you to be a slugger. God never created you to be less than. He said, you are, that, that I made man a little lower than me and I crowned you with glory and majesty. Yeah, I know you make mistakes. Yes, I know you fail, but I crowned you with glory and majesty. I dare somebody real quick type that out. I'm crowned with glory and majesty. Yeah, it's time for somebody to dust off your crown. Yeah, your crown has gotten a little dull and it got a little tarnished because of life situations. But God never said that you weren't an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. He said, I crowned you with glory and majesty. And then number six, it said, you make him to rule over the works of your hand. You have put all things not not some things, all things under our feet. He said, uh, he, and then it goes on to say this, all sheep and oxen and also the beast of the field. He says this, the birds of heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Th this is God. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. I need you to grab hold of this. 
Who you are created to be is not who you've been. Whether you're black and a young man in this United States, whether you're black and a young woman in this United States, whether you're Hispanic, black, brown, whatever it may be, you need to know that you are clothed in majesty and glory. You need to know that those that have given their life to Christ, God has a has a purpose for your life and a plan for your life. You are crowned with glory. The Bible says this. We are crowned with glory and honor. We majesty. That means there is something about you that has to stick out. There is something about you that is required, that honor is required for. Yeah, I know all your testimony. Yeah, I know what you've been through. But do you understand when you wake up, you wake up in glory and majesty. When you get out of your bed, you are still a king and a queen. When you get up off the ground after you've been knocked down, you can dust yourself off and say, I'm still a king and a queen in the kingdom of God. When you go through hell and you go through tribulation and you go through trials, you can dust yourself off and get up and say, God, I'm still clothed in glory and majesty. I may look like I'm broken. I may look like I'm hurt. I may look like I'm less than, but if I know my self-worth, if I know my self-worth, value. I know that I'm greater because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if he is the king of king and the lord of lords, if he is alpha and omega, if he stretched his arms wide and hung his head and died, if he connects me vertically and horizontally, he connects me vertically for communication. He stretches me horizontally so that I can see how big his arms are. He said that I am his child. I am his own. And if he connects me this way. I'm clothed in righteous and in majesty. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the borrower. I am who he said I am and I will be who he said I will be. Why? Because we are crowned with glory and honor. We are stewards over the work of God's hand. That means I have dominion and authority and I have a mandate, a life of standard to take, to take care of what God created. <sighs> Our stewardship is over the excellence of God's creationship. I have stewardship. There is a mandate that I take care of what God has created. Whether it's another life, I'm mandated to take care of what God created. If it's a person that I really don't like, I'm mandated to take care of that life. If there are people that, that are adverse to, to, to what God called me to, I'm still, to, I'm still required to pray for them. Because it's stewardship. And if I have stewardship and you have stewardship and the next person has stewardship, if we all begin to take stewardship over the person that's next to us, do you know how this world would turn around? <sighs> do you know what could take place if we valued the person that's next to us, even if they don't value us? Because... Our stewardship is over the excellence of God's creation. <sighs> the last thing that I want to deal with is Psalms 24, verses 1 through 6, and I got five minutes. The Bible says this. We know the scripture in the King James Version. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, they and they, they and they that dwell therein. But the New American Bible said, the New American Standard Bible says this: the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Mm. Somebody need to post that. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Whether you're black, white, Asian, brown, Hispanic, African, whatever you may be. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who what? Dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may, uh, who may ascend into the hills of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive what? A blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And verse number six says this. This is the generations of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. I need you to grab this. I need you to grab this. A life of standard instead of a life of laziness. <sighs> Get this. That the earth and all in it belongs to God. Clean hands and a pure heart are the inherit are the interrelated, excuse me, are interrelated with excellence. So if my hands, if I'm tilling the soil, and I'm doing and operating in the plan of God. My hands, they're interrelated. That means what I do is related to what you do. And it's all interrelated with us operating in what? Excellence. One maintains a place of humility and honesty when they are manifesting what? Excellence. Why? Because it's not us that are manifesting it, but God that works through us. And get this, excellence is generational, and it can be passed down to subsequent generations. If wealth can be passed down to subsequent generations, why can't excellence? The same way poverty is passed down through generationals, through, through subsequent generations, why can't excellence? If God has called us out from amongst them, when do we stand up? And begin to operate in what God has called us to operate in. When do we begin to do and, and, and begin to teach the next generation how they should act? See, we're so, made, we're so caught up on how we act now that we miss the mark of teaching the next generation how they should act. We get so caught up in this is what happened here, that we missed the mark of changing the generation by saying this is what should happen. We always value, and, and don't get me wrong when I say this, people, we always value the history more than the progress. We will say, this is what my grandmother did. This is how my grandmother, I gave y'all the example before of the ham that grandma cooked. When she had the small pan. And grandma used to cut off the ends of the ham so she could fit it in the pan. But nobody knew that's why grandma did it. But because that's, why, because that's what you saw grandma do for the next 30 generations, 
everybody cut off the end of the ham and the other end of the ham and said, Grandma did it, and I think it's because she because she uh because she possibly may have gotten more flavor out of cutting the ends of the ham. Well, Grandma didn't do it because of that. Grandma did it because she didn't have a pot big enough for the ham. But instead of you understanding the process, the progress, and the purpose, we got stuck on only doing what we were used to seeing. If that, required, if that was about being lazy, then that was about being lazy. If that was about not striving or stepping out from amongst them, then that's what it was about. So we have to get to a mindset where we're changing how we operate and coming from laziness to a place of standard. See, we have to make sure that we allow God to set the standard for excellence and empower us to meet it. We can't do it without God. Everything that I just said, everything that I talked about, we can't do it without God. We can't change generations. We can't be generational changers in our own life without the power of God. Yes, I know that you can break certain things and certain traits, but God is the one who gives us the authority and the power to do it. If all hearts and minds are full, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this evening, God. We thank you, God, because wherever we are in our life, God, you give us a word that applies to us. You give us a word that we can make life applicable. God, you give us principles to live by. You give us your living word. And God, in that living word, every day we see you differently. We see you more to handle our situation at that moment. So God, we honor you and we worship you and we magnify your name. And because of it, God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our life. We worship you for being the Lord of Lords. We worship you for being Alpha and Omega. And God, wherever we are right now, sick in our minds, sick in our body, hurting our body, hurting our spirit, whether we are living the best life that we can live, we declare that you are our King and you are our Lord. So God, if there be anybody under the sound of my voice that does not know you for their salvation, we ask right now that you introduce yourself to them. Let them know that Jesus died for their sins. He died on Calvary's cross and he rose. For the Bible said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the Bible says that if you believe on the name of Jesus, that you shall be saved. Convict the heart on this day, O oh God. Not for tomorrow experience, but for a right now experience with you. Father God, if there's anybody who is backslidden, touch their heart right now in the name of Jesus so that they can return to that place where they were in love with you, God. They were in love with you because you cared for them. You were the father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless, a friend to the friendless. You've been to them what nobody else has ever been in their life. Reconnect and redevelop a relationship with them. Father, if there's anybody who needs healing, for your word declares that healing is your children's bread. So God, let us partake in the healing. And I always say, God, let us partake in the healing of your mind, your spirit, your soul, 
your body, your, your hearing, your seeing, whatever it may be, those spiritual senses as well as those physical senses. And God, last but not least, if anybody has not received your Holy Spirit, touch them in a way right now in the name of Jesus. For your, for your word declares that when the Holy Spirit came upon them that they received power. Power to do mighty ministry. Power to do great works. Power to be who you called them to be in the earth. And God, we just worship you and we adore you. And we magnify your name. Now allow this word to be followed by signs, miracles, and wonders in the lives of your believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I need you to do me a favor. Uh, generally, you don't hear me talking about offering a whole lot in tithes and giving, but if we were, we're asking you all to sow into this ministry. You're sowing into good soil and good seed. This ministry is growing. This ministry is building. This ministry is set out to be a part of the Capitol Heights community. And we're, we're taking the region for the kingdom of God. We're taking authority over the region. We're calling those things that are not as though they were. We're bringing the kingdom of God to the land. And so we need your help. At the bottom of your screen right now, you see ways that you can give. We have Cash App, um, and the Cash App uh, label is LCCIMD. Um, you can go to our website, or you can type in lccimd.org backslash give, or you can do what I love to do, our text giving, which uh, if you text the number 202-599-2033 with a dollar amount, it will give you further instructions from them. All tax don't... All, uh, Tax, all gifts and offerings are tax deductible. Um, and so we just want to make sure that you have the opportunity to sow. The Bible says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now with him, saith the Lord of hosts, that if I would not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. Um, we also want you to uh, tune in Sunday. Make, make liberty, if, and I forgot to add that, to, to if you are looking for a church home, if God is leading you to liberty, we would love to have you right here. Um, you can reach us. Go to our website. Um, you'll find information about the ministry, how you can get connected with the ministry on our website. And our website is www.lccimd.org. Um, you'll find out information. You'll find out ways to get connected with us. You'll find out how what we believe. You'll find out... Um, You'll, you'll find past sermons. You'll find out information just about this ministry. I love you with the love of God. If you want to reach out to me or one of our staff members, you can uh, email. Uh, what is our email? L-C-C-I-M-D uh, info at gmail.com. Um, Deaconess Tansy will take care of your requests, whatever you may have, um, whatever things you may need. If we can meet a need that you have, we will more than... We, we are more than capable and love and want to reach out and help you. I know you hear me stumbling through this because I'm not a salesman. I only sell the, I sell the word of God. <laughs> but I love you with the love of God. And as always, live on purpose, live for purpose, but most importantly, live in God's purpose. And where the spirit of the Lord lives, there is liberty. We thank you for jo joining us and have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful evening. Hug somebody, tell somebody you love them. Touch somebody that may not have had an opportunity to hear from God. Be blessed with the love of God.